you know, there's all these stories about, you know, guys over in Macedonia who are running these fake news sites. Number 24 is Content Farms in Macedonia. Bidiki ako se napravi greška, tak je bide kobna. Nema vrakinja nazad. So, Europe need to, to remain more sexypil lady in the world. Ajde, majkata! Gospode, čuva Macedonija in izvinite gregi. Comrades! With that greeting, the little-known Dimitar Kovacevsky became the next leader of the Citizen Party in Macedonia. Before 1991, the League of Communists of Macedonia, which at least publicly shed its love of Marx and Lenin, but just can't seem to drop that comrades part of communist ideology. Witness his greeting of, quote, Comrades! Today, Citizen won and we taught another lesson in democracy, unquote. Kovacevsky, plucked from relative obscurity by outgoing Prime Minister Zoran Zaev to be the new Citizen Party leader, beat out two opponents, one of them representing the Radmila Shekrinska wing of the party. The next question is, when will Kovacevsky become the actual Prime Minister? There are still plenty of Byzantine machinations going on in the buyers and sellers market that is also known as the Macedonian Parliament. On the other side of the political spectrum, Christian Miskowski of Vomrodopomene was overwhelmingly re-elected to another term as leader of Macedonia's largest political party. For him, his message was in part, quote, We want to hear the voice of the forgotten citizens who were left behind while the country is being plundered and led by lucrative motives of me mediocrities, unquote. And, quote, I call you to join us, including the politically unaffiliated, the undetermined. Help us bring about change and create a new future with a new spirit of patriotism and shared responsibility, unquote. We'll discuss all of this and more on this episode of the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. I'm Jason Miko, coming to you from the foot of the Catalina Mountains in Oro Valley, Arizona. And this is Cvetan Shalimanov in Skopje in the People's Republic of Macedonia. <laughs> it's been a while uh, since we've been comrades. Yes, exactly. Well, or as, as you like to say, you know, in Nordistan or... Uh, Mm. Uh, other variations Nordonia, yeah. Nordonia, yes. Not to forget, of course, that there actually is a Nordonia in Ohio. So, oh, okay. um, careful, you might get uh, uh, sued. Actually, no, yeah, listen, there is a, like, a, 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 a township, uh, I think, in Ohio called Macedonia, and the yes. high school there is called Nordonia. So we have... Oh, that's right, Yeah, that's, yes. the, that's an incredible, <laughs> uh, like, uh, coincidence. That's fantastic. The oh, actual dear. name of our country and the slur we now use for the country. <laughs> <laughs> well, to all thinking people, all rational people, all logical people, all patriotic people, it is simply, only, beautifully, elegantly Macedonia. So yeah. uh, and that's the way it should be. So in Macedonia this past weekend, today is Monday. We're recording this on Monday, December 13, 2021. This is episode... 129 of the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. Uh, I mentioned that the uh, the two parties, the largest party, Vomorodopomene, and the smaller party, the progressive, the leftist, the um, liberal uh, citizen, before 1991, the League of Communists of Macedonia, <laughs> uh, had uh, elections for new party leaders. Of course, Zoran Zaev stepped down, uh, finally, as leader of the party and installed a puppet. So what do we know? Let's start there. What do we know about this uh, little-known, um, what's his actual 
title. He's in the Ministry of Finance, I believe. Yeah, he was Deputy uh, Finance Minister, still is. Nobody okay. knew about the guy, completely unknown. Uh, and Zayev just plucked him out of the blue. Maybe even, you know, maybe this was his best uh, requirement for the job because, you know, considering mm. the known quantities in Zayev's government, the people who are known, his ministers, and what they are known about, like... Uh, uh, taking uh, kickbacks for vaccines and then building a flammable uh, COVID hospital or you know, abusing the police uh, to persecute political opponents or, you know, just direct corruption, direct graft. Uh, maybe it's a good thing for them, for the party, that this guy, Dimitar Kovachevsky, is absolutely unknown uh, uh, in the party. But listen, this is a monumental change. It doesn't feel like it still. So Zayev is out after 12 years of leading the party. He led it for a couple of years even before he was formally leader while Trevenkovsky was president. Uh, but after 12 years uninterrupted running the party with the colored revolution, with all the damage he did to the country, all the disturbances he caused, he's now out as SDSM leader and I mean, we st on one hand, we are still don't feel this has changed because we, we feel that he is installing this person, this new guy, and is planning on running him, running the party through proxy. But on the other, he actually looks like he's anxious to leave and get out, probably even get out of the country. <laughs> he's been trying to resign since 2020. <laughs> so uh, it could be a... Big deal. It could be nothing, you know, we, we could have this person running the, the party as a proxy and then possibly being installed to the government. But we could really see Zayev out and uh, replaced by what at first hand appears to be maybe a consensus candidate between Zayev and Srebinkovsky. Mm -hmm. This was the big rift in the party when Zayev began to adopt... Uh, this complete uh, position, complete uh, appeasement position in Bulgaria, like we're going to accept everything you guys do. And Tsarvinkovsky declared that he'll have nothing to do with the party while Zayev is running it. So this guy could be like a consensus candidate to bring these two wings of the party together and uh, maybe try to endure for a while longer in government. Um, or it could be like a complete collapse uh, they're losing their grip on popular they're losing popular support to Vimera, they lost the local elections and maybe they're just a, assigning a fall guy who will, who will lose the next elections and then they will see what they do maybe just nobody wanted the position I mean that, that's also <laughs> a possibility <laughs> in this because they still have a huge concession to make to Bulgaria right. in the coming months or you know they fail on their signal policy to get Macedonia in the EU. So uh, they either abandoned their everything they were doing, except for you know, except for the stealing, everything they were doing mm -hmm. besides the stealing, <laughs> which was to get us to the EU, uh, or they uh, they signed this uh, a deal that will obviously going to be horrific to you know, to the concept of Macedonian national identity. So uh, maybe nobody wants it. <laughs> I mean, that's also possible. 
In, interesting. And, and interesting that you bring up the uh, the thought that perhaps he's a reconciliation candidate between the Serenkovsky and and the, the Zaya wing. But but then you've got mm-hmm. the Radmila Shikarinska wing. Where does that wing fit in with all these uh, machinations? Well, she beat Zayev to resign from the party as deputy leader when Zayev was elected leader just like, uh, what was it, in March? It was less than a year ago when he was elected as party leader by a huge, you know, overwhelming support from all party members. And Shekerinska withdrew in this, at this mm. congress. Um, but then she, uh, so before this, uh, before the election that took place yesterday for the new leader, uh, Zaev endorsed Kovachevsky. Many people from Zaev's orbit lined up behind him. Tsarvinkovsky's people not that prominently. And then Shekerinska launched her own candidate, a person who is completely you know, well known as her uh, lapdog. Uh, his name is Jovan Despotovsky. He's this ridiculously corrupt person who's been running this innovation fund in Macedonia, which they just turned into a slash fund for party officials, so they give you a grant that you allegedly invented something, or even if you didn't invent anything, just you have a company and you're trying to uh, modernize some part of it, and they give you a grant if you are uh, SDSM party uh, supporter. And this was run by, by this person. We had a ball uncovering the scandals anytime they would award contracts with you just dig through several of the companies and all sorts of interesting names from SDSM orbit show up. So he was running and uh, uh, he won like, uh, what was it, like uh, 2,000, 3,000 votes. Um, also another ridiculously corrupt person was running, uh, Frosina Reminsky. She was the third candidate. Mm. She's this uh, lady who the party eventually decided that she's going to take the blame for the racket scandal. It looked Unplausible that all this racketeering extortion done through Kati Tsayanova, through Boki 13, that nobody in the party knew about it. So they decided, okay, we have Frosina to blame. She has been for a short while in the party. She was active in other political movements before. So nobody felt really sorry about her. So she's now running, probably, you know, like to say, well, you can't put me in prison. She's actually on trial now for extortion and racketeering. Well, maybe she says, you can't arrest me. I'm, it's going to be political because I you know, ran for a party leader. I elevated my standing in society or something. So she, she thinks this is going to help her. So those two both won like two, three thousand votes. And uh, um, Kovachevsky won nearly 40,000 votes. Uh, uh, so overwhelming majority. But still way, way less than... Uh, what was won by Zaev, who won like 60,000 votes in uh, March. Mm. So we have a situation that they dropped almost 20,000 votes in, in people who were interested in voting, who registered to vote and who bothered to vote in the SDSM party election in, uh, since uh, March till December. We have a drop of uh, almost 20,000 people. So it corresponds to the collapse of the party in the local elections. That, that's significant that, that as you mentioned, this, these 20,000 or so that, that voted in March in the party, uh, for party leadership, and then b- between March and now have decided it's just not worth it anymore, and I've either mm. uh, decided not to vote, maybe they left the party, 
maybe like several other well-known party activists, they ripped up their citizen membership cards. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it all points to the fact that the party is, is, is losing losing ground, not just with the public, but within the party, which I think is the significant story here. Um, yep. Before we touch on, on Vomero, let's, let's stick with this because you mentioned um, uh, the new leader is when he becomes um, prime minister in the next couple of weeks if or months. Yeah, if he becomes, right. <laughs> uh, still expected to give uh, give concessions to Bulgaria. Of course, tomorrow is the uh, the EU confab, uh, mm-hmm. uh, where uh, the European Council, I believe, meeting that takes tomorrow takes place tomorrow on the 14th, where, uh, of course, the decisions have already been written, uh, and uh, Macedonia, no, Macedonia will not begin the session talks. Yeah. Of course, Albania is tied to Macedonia, and uh, so they'll be they'll be held behind as well. And of course, as you mentioned, all this has to do with with Bulgaria. Even though they they've got a, basically a new government um, elected federal, today. Elected today. Okay. All right. Yep. Well, con- congratulations. Just, just elected it, yes. Congratulations <laughs> to the new Bulgarian government. Uh, yeah, the prime minister there is Kirill Petkov, I believe. Yeah. Um, yep. So he is seen as more moderate, but yet his his uh, supporter his his coalition partners in government obviously are not so moderate. I think I, I saw somewhere where he mentioned, you know, we need to spend the next six months uh, talking and meeting and talking about things other than history, yeah. which is all true. You know, let's talk about business and other things. Good, um, but at the end of the day, uh, his partners are going to demand that the Bulgarian position is still that. Macedonians are a um, uh, the, Ma- the Macedonian language is a dialect of Bulgarian. That Macedonian history is really Bulgarian history before 1944. Yeah. Blah blah blah. And you know, I was thinking about this. So, with NATO, you know, it was a one-up, straight-up vote one time. Uh, obviously, with the EU, uh, the um, I can't pronounce the French "acquis uh, communautaire" or whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah, pretty good, I think. Okay, thank you. Uh, so, thirty-plus chapters of that, in which any EU member, uh, as these chapters are open, this is a harmonization with EU law uh, of the candidate country. Each one of those chapters uh, is opened. Uh, all of the members can 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 vote to block at any one of the, during any one of those chapters. As it's open during and, and as it's closed uh, throughout the whole process, and the whole process takes anywhere from probably, in Macedonia's case, even if it were to start a session talk today, anywhere from seven to probably twelve years. Same thing with Albania as well. Each country mm-hmm. goes at a different pace. Uh, I, I mean, I think, please, I mean, all all rational thinking mm-hmm. people know that even if Zayev today or Kovacevsky were to agree, if he was the prime minister, to agree that to all of the current Bulgarian demands, they are going to do nothing but add more demands. I mean, that's just always the way it's going to be. And, and frankly, even though Greece said it wouldn't, it might. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's just, you know, and again, as I have continues to say, there is no alternative except the alternative Albanian party, <laughs> which we yeah. can get into in a minute. Uh, yeah. So, uh, which is just isn't true. Um, there are other ways. And I think, I think responsible Macedonian leaders need to, to look at those and explain those to the public. And, and even the public needs to step forward. Leaders in, 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 in the private sector and business and, and others need to step forward and say, there are other ways to do this without, you know, 
we'll wait for the EU to get its act together. In the meantime, we're going to move forward in this direction doing X, Y, and Z. Uh, so, but, but, but then let's, let's kind of pivot then to that issue of who is the next prime minister. So, as I mentioned there, Alternativa, I believe is how the Albanian party pronounces it, uh, the new, the, the, they've agreed to join the government, giving Zayev four more seats. But then some of the smaller parties in Zayev's coalition, LDP, DOM, DS, Pavlitranov, etc., are now saying, wait a second, hang on. Uh, <laughs> you know, you gave them a king's ransom for four seats. Uh, it's, it's essentially, the Macedonian parliament is now a buyer's and seller's market. That's all it is. It's not a parliament where weighty decisions are made, where, where laws are passed, where policies are debated and discussed. It's a, it's a cheap market is what it is. Uh, and so these other parties are saying, wait a second, what are you going to give us? So what, what are they asking for? Or do we know? So, um, uh, the, uh, Zaev lost the Bisa party, which had four, then three seats in parliament, uh, and uh, was very important to prop up his coalition. And it only had one position in the government. It only had the agriculture minister and two deputy ministers, and then a smattering of public sector jobs across the country. Uh, so he was forced to find an alternative to this party. He found it in the party called Alternative, which he plucked from the opposition Albanian coalition. It was a partner with the Alliance of Albanians. It was um, with uh, allied with Vomero even in the local elections. It was going to vote for the vote of no confidence in Zaev. But uh, once the vote of no confidence failed, when one member of parliament was apparently kidnapped, they said, okay, let's try to make a deal in the completely opposite direction. They get free government positions, including a, a crucial one, the healthcare ministry, which is uh, loaded with cash at the moment with all the COVID restrictions, all the extortion they can do, all the testing they can do. You know, it's a, uh, yeah. it's ridiculously corrupt at the moment, uh, which we had, uh, you know, many examples with uh, uh, Vinko Filipče, the healthcare minister, his healthcare, his director for public health of the healthcare fund actually fled to Australia or good friends then don't show after he was recorded stuffing money in, in a bag. So so they're getting this department and they're taking away Zayev's, one of Zayev's closest collaborators, both financially and personally in the government, Venko Filipče. They're also getting the public administration minister, which is also mm -hmm. a big one. It uh, has a lot of influence in hiring the, of the public administration, which is a be-all, end-all for the Albanian parties. And they're going to have a made-up ministry for them, the um, ministry of diaspora. So you can imagine everybody else's. You know, there are other groupings which are rival to uh, SDSM in the parliament. So SDSM has only like 32, 33 seats in parliament. Uh, and they have like a dozen more in their coalition, in smaller coalition partners. So there's like three uh, groupings within his own coalition, which have the same weight as uh, Alternativa as the alternative party, but but one of them has a minister, nobody else has a minister, like only the Liberal Democrat Party also has a minister in the government. <laughs> and they say, listen, we are now allied with the, the Dom Party, we ran independently in the local elections, we got roughly the same number of votes as 
alternative we expect believe one so um, you know we only have the stupidest possible ministry of local self-governance and nothing else and you give these guys healthcare and two other departments to boot so they demand uh, they want to renegotiate the deal the Turkish party demands a minister for investment from Turkey so practically a government department ambassador to Turkey um, Pavle Trajanov, the small one-man mm. show party, but still one vote in parliament, it, it counts. He says, I want a new way of electing uh, members of parliament in which, you know, parties like mine will have much greater say. I would be able to win one seat independently or maybe even two seats. So uh, knives are out for, for Zayev from, uh, for Kovacevsky actually, from all sides. And... Uh, what the Liberal Democrats said, and they are in the, in the strongest position to maybe turn their backs on Zayev and destroy him, they said, let's see the new Prime Minister, let's see what other changes he proposes besides Venko Filipic leaving and uh, the new Alternativa ministers, yeah. and we'll see whether we will support the government. I mean, they're not saying we'll break the deal, but they said if we break the deal, then we'll not side with Vomero, we'll just demand early elections, we just had a good showing in the local elections, so we may side with Vumera in that we, we support their demand for early elections. Now Kovacevsky is in absolutely not a person of stature who would be able to uh, put these people together, you know, at the table and or order them around and tell them what to do. He was practically, he wasn't even in politics, he was working in the Deutsche Telekom all his life. His father was mayor of Kumanova, so this is how he's kind of like still remembered in the party. He was active in his DSM. He uh, made a huge uh, uh, like uh, betrayal of Deutsche Telekom where he left, where he left. He worked for, you know, maybe like two decades uh, and joined their opponent VIP and was fired from VIP in a matter of months. So he did something crazily wrong, apparently, in, in, uh, in the Austrian telecom VIP company. And then he started a, a business with uh, solar. He's now building uh, mm. solar panels, which is apparently, you know, um, there is a huge bondugal here. Uh, several obviously corrupt contracts are being put in place. Uh, the government wants to give, like, uh, solar companies... Uh, uh, large plots of valuable land to, which could be used for farming, uh, whereas we have so many hills which are much more mm. better for, uh, for solar because they're not wow. good for anything else. So they're giving this to, they say this is a French company, this is a German company, but in fact you dig around, you see they're tied to Bulgarian businessmen, so it's apparently they're having some sort of, uh, they're trying to use green energy as an excuse for uh, plunder and Kovacevsky apparently wants to be part of this, but he's absolutely not in a position to navigate several crises like uh, the fallout from the hospital fire, the bus disaster, the loss of the date for EU accession talks, the fact that we, we are importing more than half, almost like two thirds of our electricity because domestic production has collapsed and this is costing us, we're burning through our. Uh, hard currency reserves to make this happen. Uh, I mean, 
disasters on all sides. And, uh, you know, this person is simply not capable of managing this. So maybe Zayev will hang on for a few more months as prime minister under the, like this Merkel drawn out uh, retirement, uh, uh, trying to say that I'm going to try and use my prestige with Bulgaria to make some kind of a deal with them uh, and uh, try to solidify the things around Kovacevsky before he leaves him the government. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big mess. Wow, that's uh, that was a good analysis there too. So uh, appreciate that for uh, for our listeners. Um, <clears throat> where to where to take that? Let me see here. Well, let's looking at the timeline. So, alternative is not formally a part of government yet. Yeah. Correct. So yeah, they have so to the put process, it in parliament. I'm sorry. Yeah, they have to probably nominate Kovacevsky as prime minister or not, or mm-hmm. keep Zayev but nominate new ministers. They're going to have to figure that out. They, they need to figure this out quickly. Right. But then okay. put so it let's, to parliament. Let's, yeah, let, let's go with Zayev staying, and then they've got to get these, They got to, the parliament has to vote for these for these new ministries, etc. Yeah. When would that happen? Again, this is December 13, Monday. We're getting close to, well, the, the, there's the, you know, the, the 25th, uh, which is the Protestant Catholic Christmas and then New Year's and then Orthodox mm-hmm. Christmas. So during that time, things just really slow down in general. Yeah. Um, what is what is the timeline that we're looking at here? We have no idea. We're still, like as you <laughs> said at the start, it was a monumental change yesterday, but we still don't feel it because yeah. we're kind of not sure that Zaf will actually go ahead with this and actually leave. So right. if he, a relatively minor thing like adding a few ministers, could be done even over New Year's. Uh, uh, a major thing that would be uh, Zayev resigns, they have to turn to Stevo Pendarovsky, who knows where he stands on this um, division in the party. Then he needs to give the mandate to the SDSM pick, not to somebody else. Uh, that's a big, big deal. That's a lot of uh, moving parts. So uh, I think that this would happen uh, later in a matter of months and uh, Zayf will try to hang on. And if he, I mean, and then, you know, we have to see how the energy situation in the EU situation develops. Mm. So, um, you know, it's very, very hard to tell what he's actually planning. Right. And between them, so DS, Pavel Ivanov has one seat. Dom and LDP have three seats between them, I think. Yeah, but they're also a bunch of... So new Social Democrats have two seats, the Turks, the Roma, the Vlachs, the... I don't know. Okay, I don't think we have Vlachs now. You only only need four. uh, You only need four to bring it down to 60-60, which is not a majority. So... uh, Interesting. Okay, so, yeah. (laughs) So you've got all that. As you mentioned, you know... Uh, Kovacevsky is not really doesn't seem to be at least the right yeah. guy to handle all these these crises at the same time. Uh, n- not only is winter coming, but winter has already come. Apparently, as I'm seeing some of the some of the pictures emerging from Macedonia with the snow yep. and and everything else, which you know it, it always looks beautiful that first day. Uh, but of <laughs> course, then you've got and, and you've got outages. I believe electricity outages. It's, uh, throughout the country in various places. Uh, you're importing yeah, yeah. importing energy. Uh, 
Now, if you know, misery loves company, so it's it's not just you. <laughs> Europe is in the in a similar situation, um, and uh, and, then, and then of course ongoing the covids and all that, and of course everybody getting freaked out about the omicron, etc., which seems to be mm. less uh, less dangerous than, than yeah. everybody freaked out over. And then, as you just mentioned, on the whole green stuff, of course, that is the that is the wave of the future among the parties, the political parties of the left in the West. Uh, is that they're they're gonna that's they're pushing that, um, the, they're forcing it by edict by by government edict. Um, I have no problem with the marketplace adopting these things over time as long as it's the marketplace doing it and there's a public demand. But um, uh, command economy doing it isn't going to work. Uh, it's going to and 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 it will benefit only a few people, which of course is what we'd expect. Um, we won't talk about, we'll save the Bechtel thing for another time, I think. Yeah. Uh, that's the U.S. Bechtel Inca, I believe is the name, the Turkish yep. uh, partner uh, that won the no-bid contract, basically, to uh, build more Macedonian highways, Bechtel being, of course, the U.S., the large U.S. company. Um, so um, we'll, we'll, we'll save that for another time. Um, okay. Uh Let's okay. Let's let's revisit then the um, what we started with on um, the other political party, Vomoroda Pamne, and Christian mm-hmm. Miskowski was reelected uh, as uh, leader for another term, uh, and and seemed to his message seemed to be one of being very open to uh, as he called them the forgotten citizens, the unaffiliated, which is smart from a political standpoint. There's always you know in in any election, well, not I shouldn't say that. Especially here, and as I see it in Macedonia, there's there's that there's that small slice, maybe ten percent, that could really swing the election mm. one way or the other. That you know aren't aren't affiliated, don't want to vote, don't feel their vote counts. But if you can get them to join your side, uh, that's you can take that that that'll that'll put you in power. That'll give you the uh, premiership. Um, and it seems like he, from his message, he's he's really trying to broaden the base there while still retaining, I should say. The what makes Vomero Vomero, and that is the, the the core positions of of a conservative philosophy of a patriotic stance in wanting to protect Macedonia and Macedonian identity and history and language and so much more. How's he going to do it? Um, I mean, in the local elections, Vomero did not manage to expand toward the unaffiliated the center voters. It was more. The election was more a story of ASDSM collapse than of Vimera expansion. Vimera more held its own than ASDSM was able to hold its own. Uh, and then Vimera made a very good strategic uh, deal afterwards with Levitsa. So practically Levitsa won uh, a number of votes on the uh, further right from Vimera and then was, uh, even though it was competing against Vimera, publicly then eventually said, okay, we have a shot at taking Zaev out, so we're going to put aside our petty differences. So they played like, played it like good sports in the end. Uh, so this was the expansion Vimera made, actually, by uh, co-opting practically Levitsa. Vimera was fair. They gave, gave Levitsa a bunch of uh, positions in, uh, I mean, a, a good say in uh, the running of uh, municipal councils. So it's a good arrangement for both parties at the moment. Uh, now it's up to the mayors uh, if they can deliver. Maybe this would bring 
like disenchanted angry voters uh, or you know i mean it, the voters could just um, come to Vimero or just continue to abstain from ESDSM on the fa- on account of the energy prices so practically we have a hike in january on the account of uh, inflation i forgot to mention it's really really becoming an issue here i mean it's it's very noticeable uh, so but there is a lot of uh, reason why uh, is DSM could fall? We used to, we always used to say here that you know all these symbolic uh, national humiliation issues are horrible, but coupled with an actual economic downturn, which we are now having, that's what's going to bring Zaev down, and Zaev is uh, is out, and we're uh, I don't know, we're up for a ultimate humiliation in the government, which is uh, that listen, we're going to have a. M- we're very likely going to have a majority Albanian government or a 50-50 government between Macedonians and Albanians. This has never happened before and this is a major Rubicon that we're crossing. So there's like 80-85 members of parliament which are Macedonians and there is like 30 members of parliament who are Albanians and then the rest are smaller ethnic groups and um, the census, we st- still don't have the data from the census, and we do not really trust the data, but we assume it's like 65-20-25, the ratio, so it's like uh, 3 to 1, almost 3 to 1, and uh, between Macedonians and Albanians. And now we have, with the latest concessions being made to the alternative party, uh, is DSM is giving away the, the farm. I mean, they are really... Um, there, there is going to be 10 ethnic Macedonians in the government and 10 ethnic Albanians. And uh, one of the SDSM members of government is a Serb. Another is actually an Albanian. So, um, uh, you know, the SDSM is contributing to this disbalance in, uh, uh, in the votes, in, in, the, in the seats in the government. Uh, but uh, for the first time ever, is there, there's like the big free departments which you never give to Albanians, or o- almost never. Only once we had one of them given to Albanians. So this is the finance, it's uh, uh, interior and foreign affairs. So only once we had a, an Albanian as finance minister before, Zaev now gave away two of them. Both finance mm. and foreign affairs are held by Albanians, and this has huge ramifications in our international standing in terms of you know faster more active giving away of macedonian national identity to neighboring countries and the finance ministry obviously hires it's it's the other it's actually the more important ministry in public sector hiring so this means massive hiring of albanians in the public administration uh on non-merit uh, uh, uh grounds so uh, th- there is also a deputy pr- uh, prime minister, which, who is an Albanian, Artan Grubi, who has the position of practically veto power over Zaev, and uh, Zaev giving away healthcare to the alternative to an Albanian minister. Um, they are taking the public uh, administration from Dui. So this is an Albanian party giving another Albanian party one department, but then. Uh, do is being compensated by the agriculture minister. So, so this is like a, a, a net like uh, 
free, uh, two Albanians added to the government, which already had an oversized uh, representation of Albanians before. So they're coming at parity. This was a big, big uh, um, scandal when it uh, when it was announced, and uh, you know adds to the feeling that we are losing our country, that we are losing the the Macedonian country, the majority of ethnic Macedonians in parliament are in the opposition. This is the Vemero group. Mm-hmm. Um, decisions are made over our heads on national identity issues, on strategic infrastructure, on uh, financing, on uh, public sector hiring, etc. And uh, th- it's only getting worse and it's, uh, it's accelerating. Mm-hmm. This is the you, big you, situation you, here. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you you make some good points there, especially the fact that that people are kind of kind of woken up almost and and said that this is really a humiliation if this actually happens. Um, and I, I think that you know our friends on the left that think that national issues, um, pride patriotism, history, culture, identity, that they, they think that those don't really matter, they, they push them down. Of course, of course, our friends that believe that also believe that people are <clears throat> just economic animals and that that's all that they ever think about and vote on. And that is not true because we're not. As human beings, we are, we are prim- primarily spiritual beings. There's an economic side to us, of course, as well. This is something that the late Senator Barry Goldwater wrote about in The Conscience of Conservative. Um, but primarily, we are we are spiritual beings, and not. And when I say spiritual, I don't necessarily mean you know <clears throat> we all believe in God or anything like that. But there there is something more to us than just the pursuit of gain, the pursuit of money, and th- these things that you just mentioned. You know, the, the the national humiliation that comes from being, you know, Macedonians being the majority of the country, and yet it looks like it could be where. The, Alban- the ethnic minority, Albanian minority, has parity at least in government. That that is a, that's a big deal. Um, you look at to take a page out of our current current um, situation here in America. Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, has mm-hmm. suffered a, a, a great deal at the polls on Afghanistan, not because the American people thought we shouldn't be in a- Afghanistan. <clears throat> The polls showed that the American people thought we should not be in Afghanistan. That wasn't the issue. The issue was how he pulled out. We were humiliated. We lost. We gave everything. We fought for 20 years, blood and treasure, and then we gave it all over to the Taliban, who are now oppressing their people, who are oppressing women, who are oppressing minorities, gays, everybody else. And we just let it go. And We gave it to them, and we were humiliated, and we don't like that. And that's understandable. Macedonians shouldn't like that. I just finished a book called The Purpose of the Past by Gordon S. Wood, uh, American historian. And it, essentially what it is, it's a history of American history. And he goes and re- he reviews, he, or he's done this over the past 20-some-odd years, he's reviewed other books of American history by other historians. And in doing so, he's put together this, this, this patchwork of this history of the history. And he looks at the purpose of looking at the past. And that theme runs throughout the book the importance of heritage and memory and um, 
and culture and how identity is created and maintained. And our friends, again, our friends on the left that, that discount this, that ignore it, that set yeah. it aside, do so at their own peril. Mm. And so I hope, trying to bring this all back to where we started this section of the podcast, talking about Vomrata uh, Pamane and their, their new position, I, I hope that that is something that they will continue to focus on. I think they will, uh, even as they reach out to the unaffiliated and the neglected and, and, and those that don't vote, um, because that is that is an essential part of a people, of a country, of a nation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they need to understand that this is the path to under to dissolving the country. I mean, this uh, mm-hmm. appetites have been so increased. Uh, on the uh, Albanian side, uh, uh, they have undermined Macedonian national identity to such a point that, you know, some people are looking for alternative identities, others are going to lash out mm-hmm. by voting for more nationalist parties, and uh, other neighbors are obviously joining in. This is the point of the Bulgarian veto, and uh, Serbia is also looking into this keenly. Uh, Greece's official position during the name dispute was that they want to leave us out of the integration process so we will dissolve and be divided between Albania and Serbia or Albania and Bulgaria. So, I don't know, I mean, the people on the left really need to be blind not to, not to see where this is going. Exactly, exactly. Well, let's, um, let's switch... Let's uh, pivot here, as they say, and uh, let's bring back, Svetin, our farmer's picks. It's been a long time, too long. Um, and uh, as, as some listeners may have forgotten, or new listeners may not know, um, we uh, in the past have ended the podcast with what we call our farmer's picks, which generally, not always, but generally is some good news uh, coming from Macedonia, because everybody likes to hear good news and, and, uh, and there's plenty of good news, um, coming out of Macedonia. Uh, as, uh, the, the, my, the quote that I like is, uh, from the 1973 film version of a Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Uh, uh, but the name of the film is called Scrooge and it's actually a musical. It's the only musical I like. Uh, but there's a scene in there where the ghost of Christmas present tells Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge, there are more good things in this life than you can possibly mm. imagine. And that is absolutely true, and it's important to keep that thought as we see all of the uh, all of the problems around us. But the farmer's pick um, for this week is uh, I don't know who this is. S. P. Zarov, and it's a column on Medium.com, mm-hmm. where a lot of writers place things, uh, and it's called "Places in Macedonia that Should Have World Heritage Site Status," uh, and. Uh, S.P. Zadov writes that the World Heritage Committee of the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, UNESCO, began inscribing locations as World Heritage Site at its first session in 1978. In 1979, Okrid was inscribed on the list. Things were off to a great start for Macedonia. Unfortunately, the Macedonian Republic still has yet to see a second site join Okrid on the list. Uh, while Okrid is indeed probably the country's most significant location, there are several other places in Macedonia that are deserving of World Heritage Site status, whether for cultural reasons, natural reasons, or mixed. And then he says, here are my humble nominations. Mm -hmm. Very sweet. Uh, And he's got a whole list of here. So he's got the medieval monuments of of Prelep, 
Uh, there's uh, uh, Marco's Tower. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's the uh, Treskovitz Monastery? Uh, he's got Mavrovo National Park, of course. Uh, let's see, the uh, Church of St. George. Uh, yeah. Would have been Yovo. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what else? And oh, Prespa Lakes, of course. Um, Matka Canyon. Uh, and just a whole bunch. The Lyusha Monastery. Yep. Uh, and it's just a it's a, it's a quick quick read, but it's got pictures and a beautiful description of each site, and it's a it's a good reminder, I think, to to Macedonians and others that of of some of these amazing places in Macedonia that are worthy of our attention and uh, and and visit and and the, you know an opportunity to visit and also as as uh, S. B. Zarov says, worthy of uh, UNESCO status. Yep. So we'll put that on the uh, show notes. And uh, again, to rain on the parade, we're actually f- faced with the possibility that Ohrid will be stripped of this status because of the ah. way we're treating it. But uh, maybe good to add something else on the list in the meantime. Exactly. Well, and, and then that's a reminder then also that, you know, whatever it takes to, to make sure that Ohrid does not lose that status. Uh, so, yep. uh, okay, so here's, here's the challenge for our listeners. We're going to post this uh, and then... I want you all to go through it and see how many of these places you have visited. So, uh, as as I look through it in my nearly twenty seven years uh, of being in and with Macedonia, mm-hmm. there's let's see here. I think maybe only one or two places I haven't been. Seriously? To, uh, oh. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'll definitely maybe, do maybe worse. <laughs> <laughs> now, now. I've never been to Triskavets to, yeah, ne- never made the hike oh, wow. up the uh, yeah. uh, I usually stick to the barbecue in Prilip and <laughs> avoid <laughs> that, the hiking. You know, that's fine too. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I get that. But, yeah. uh, I, I'm sure they've got, they've carved a good path up there by now. So, uh, uh, even the Matka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Velusha yep. Monastery? Yes. Yeah, okay. All right, good. I have covered the, the others and the, oh, that you mentioned. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he's gotten here. The old bazaar Scopia. Uh, yeah. Natural. I was there like two days okay. ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Good. Um, all right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll we'll put that in the show notes. We'll get this up and out hopefully today, and um, we'll just keep uh, looking at the. Uh, the uh, the machinations going on in the Macedonian uh, buyers and sellers. Yeah. Sorry, the Macedonian Parliament. Um, and uh, do this again in a couple of weeks or so. Yeah, the, the cryptocurrency exchange we ha- we call Parliament. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good talking yeah, to you, you too, buddy. Take care. You too.